Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is March 1st. We're wrapping up the first quarter this year, and last week was a wild ride. We're going to talk to Matt about that, find out all that's going on. You know, it's always Matt's fault. <laughs> we blame it all on Matt. We're going to have him on here in just a little bit, give him a bad time about it, but it's so good to have you with us, everybody. You know, this is a great way for us to start out our week. We just counted a privilege to get here and share with you thoughts about what's going on in the industry, educate you on what's happening, and we're just so excited. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals and realtors and builders and anyone else that wants to join you and listen. We're just so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. In today's hot topic, we're going to be talking about recruiting and building solid teams, management teams, solid companies. And it's going to be a month-long series of podcasts about recruiting and putting together the right teams. As Jim Collins said, get the right people on the bus and get the right people off the bus. Doesn't mean that they're bad people, but how do you do that? And we have got some of my favorite people on the planet, a husband and wife team that are Berkman consultants and they use the Berkman assessment. We use it. I think it saved my marriage. <laughs> do a Berkman assessment on my wife and I, because my wife goes, married to this unusual guy? And so how do I talk to him? How do we do it? And it, it works for marriages. It works for business. Also, it's interesting. Every time we've done a Berkman personality assessment on one of our clients, the first thing everyone does that gets it goes, I've got to get my wife or my husband to take this so I can figure him out or her out. So anyway, you're going to enjoy today's podcast. It's going to be as informative as it is. I'd say entertaining just because I always have such a good time with Jim and Jeannie every time they get on the podcast. So stay tuned to the Hot Topic segment. We're looking forward to getting into it. It's going to be really excellent, especially as we look at the growth of our industry and what's going to be happening. So Jim and Jeannie Blanchard, founders of Strategic Positioning, will be on in the Hot Topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to Industry Syndicate. Be sure to check out all of the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com. We're proud to be there. And I encourage you to check out all the podcasts there. Also, I want to say a special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Check out Mike Frantoni's January 4th interview, talking about the economic forecast. And then also make sure you sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance. That is a very important way of having your voice heard in Washington, D.C. in the Hill. Dear God, we got to have our voices heard there. And the Mortgage Bankers Association does a great job of echoing all the concerns across us. And they need an army of people calling in. They can't do it on their own. And that's how we use the Mortgage Action Alliance. Also, Finastra, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution is their product that they do a great job. It's a market leader. And it's a point of sale and loan origination platforms. We had Dan Putney on talking about mortgage trends on January 11th. Listen to that. A great partners with us. And Finastra, F-I-N-A-S-T-R-A.com. As well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two collaboratives do a great job of bringing both lenders and vendors in a more intimate setting, allowing them to compare best practices. We are members of both. And I got to tell you, both these organizations do a great job of really helping lenders grow their business. Also, we're pleased to have the Community Mortgage Lenders of America as sponsors. Michael Jones interview. Michael Jones is the current president, does a great job. 
Also, Indicom, they have some wonderful solutions that work at every stage of the mortgage life cycle, including automation, outsourcing, compliance. I want you to check out Indicom.com. We're all looking for resources, and Indicom has some great ones. Josh, friend at Accelerate, and he goes, you know what, Dave, I've been looking for a CRM. I'm looking for someone who understands my consumer direct business model. Now, this works beyond Consumer Direct, but it really works in the Consumer Direct space. And Josh and this individual connected and made such a difference in the business. I encourage you to check out Incelerate, built for the mortgage industry by the mortgage industry. Also, Knowledge Group, Ken Perry's company, helping you train up your people, as well as Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence. Very good, solid product, along with Modex. We use both of these and recommend them to our clients for finding the right talent. Now, these guys, once you've identified talent, do they do what they say they do? Yes. So we're going to talk about how you can pick the right people from a personality standpoint, a fit. But then it's also important to do they actually do the volume they represent they do? We're going to get them on again later in the series so we can talk more about how to be doing effective recruiting. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited to have two friends of mine, two people I have a great deal of respect for, Jim and Jeannie Blanchard. They are owners of Strategic Positioning. Jim was previously on the show on October 17th. A link to that recording of that show is in our show notes. Together, they are Berkman Consultant experts. They use the Berkman personality assessment method to provide insights in the recruiting process, as well as hiring to reduce turnover and just a whole lot of benefits. And I could go on and on reading about this, but I'm just too excited to have them on. I want to move right into it, Jim. And Jeannie, so good to have you here. Appreciate you. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you here. <laughs> but we want to talk today about working with businesses on recruiting and how to build really good team. So good to have you with us. And Jim, tell us a little bit about your business and what you guys do. And then Jeannie, jump in with it. As you know, we've basically helped teams and organizations communicate more effectively. And communication is really what hiring and retention is about. And you introduced the show with the Jim Collins quote about the white people on the bus. And I think the key line in there is, Companies that succeed are the ones that have developed good recruiting processes. I mean, he wrote that book, I don't know how many years ago, but that really is the way that you build a great company. You hire the right people and put them in the right seats. Now, I'm not inferring that the people that are listening don't have good processes, but we found that organizations often use a skill-based approach. Right. It's really necessary to add behavioral assessment approaches to it because that way you get not only the right people on the bus in the right seats, but they stay there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Any you want to add to that? Well, I think that with the old traditional methods of interviewing and hiring just don't work in this fast-paced environment that we're currently living in. You don't have enough information to make a good decision without a personality assessment. I think it's so true. Well, the people who aren't familiar with behavioral hiring, the biggest difference, that is, you know who you want to hire, not what. Someone once told me, you hire for attitude and you train the skills. That's a great point. Yeah. And our approach is to help the people who are leading the organization, the managers, the hiring managers, the executive team, create clarity about what the behavioral competencies that are most effective in each job are, along with the skills and experience. And 
that takes a little time up front, but it ends up saving a whole lot more time and turnover in the long run. Well, one of the things, you guys are Berkman consultants, but I also know that you have tremendous amount of knowledge about all the other assessments out there. And I want to just say, listeners, the reason, as we said on the previous podcast, the reason I'm such a big fan of the Berkman assessment is that it really resolved a conflict that I had internally with myself. I, I am one way in a normal behavior and a usual behavior, as the Berkman assessment calls, but I am in entirely different person when it comes to stress. In my stress mode, I switch. And it seems polar opposite. There's some similarities, but I go from this outgoing talk at a person to inside my cave and I want to resolve the problem and, and go like, what happened to that outgoing fun guy that was out there a little while ago? Well, he's in stress mode and my staff is recognizing that. They go, uh-oh, something's stressing Dave because he is not talking. He's gone cleric red. He is very, very directive point. If he is, he's giving us bullets and talking in a very direct way. And so it helped explain to me why there was a shift in my behavior. So talk about the various different methods that are out there. What are the different tools? If you can run through those quickly and then contrast them to, again, we're not trying to listeners, trying to sell you on the Berkman. I am sold on the Berkman. So yes, it's hard not to convince you, but talk about this because some people really believe in the disc. And I know why we don't believe in the DISC as much and why we don't use it. But the biggest difference between DISC, MBTI, Colby, there are half a dozen that are used in this particular space, is that they are measuring your usual self-reported behavior. It's how okay. I say I am. This was the Berkman is, Dave, what you just talked about. It also measures how I expect you to be. So it's the environment in which I'm going to be the most effective. I, like you, am very social and friendly, but I need a lot of cave time to be that. Well, without the Berkman, I wouldn't know that. So I just try to be social or friendly for people who want to take me out into large groups forever. And I don't do well that way over time. The importance of knowing that is if you and I are working together and I don't know how you you are listening to me, I'm likely to talk to you in my style, and you're not going to receive what I'm saying. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's so true. Jeannie, add to that. I think that the different instruments do different things, and they are all good. The Myers-Briggs, the Strong Campbell, all of those instruments, uh, Hogan, this, all those instruments. We study and reviewed all of the instruments, but with the work we do, which is to help people and teams to work more effectively, we found that the language we needed was in the three areas of how you act when you're not in stress, what kind of environment or support you need, and then what is your stress behavior and how do you manage it. We found that the Berkman gave us uh, deeper data than we got with the other instruments. All of those instruments are good instruments. There's not saying bad. Everyone does different things. Right. And if, for the amount of information you get from them, if you're going to do nothing, then you're in bad shape. If you do one of those, you're in better shape. If you do Berkman, then you get a lot more information. But they're all good. And people that are skilled in hiring, I'm guessing maybe that Alice, who was on earlier, is used to hiring people. Is that right, Alice? Yes. Alice does. Yeah, that is correct. And have you used an assessment tool or are your skills of hiring and interviewing just so good that you really can do many of the things that you don't need that tool for? Oh, I'm a firm believer in tools. And uh, we learned that at Union Home. We use the DISC assessment. Yeah. And the DISC is a good one. 
what we get at the Berkman, which is a little different, is DISC infers environment. Berkman specifically says environment. So I noticed on Union Home's website that it said caring about people. Well, when we're looking to hire someone, what is their personality and how do they exhibit and show caring about people? which is the reason an assessment tool talks about behavior differently than just a skilled interview. But thank you, Alice. I knew that must have been what you did before. Alice has owned her own business. She's hired many people. And anyone who is doing that now, Union Home is a very large company. And we're going to have the founder and president and CEO on next week. So it's really, really, really good point. So would HR typically prepare these competencies? How do you recommend folks put this in as a part of their onboarding process? Well, I think one of the keys is that the personality competencies that you want and the environmental information that you want to have in a position description, A, that they are behavioral and B, that they are developed by or at least in concert with the hiring managers and the executive team because you want the behaviors that you're hiring for to match the vision and values and direction of the organization. So that's something we generally try to do. Alice, are you asking how we determine the competencies or how we measure against the competencies? Well, I think I was just looking at the a company, right, sets those values and then how does the Berkman and the services that you provide really help companies use this and make a change? Okay. Well, let me give you another point of view. What the Berkman tells us in specific areas of how friendly people are, how much they like change, there's what they call 11 windows on behavior. And once someone does a Berkman, we can determine, and, and as you probably know very well, how people interview, and these are the questions, friendly, do you like to be busy, are you organized? Are you careful? Do you like change? Those kind of questions. And those then become the component or the competencies of an organization that has determined what the culture would be. We then have the ability through the Berkman to ask specific questions against those competencies that have been determined by the organization against what we learned from the Berkman. And so we're measuring against what your competencies are. Does that answer the question? Yes, I think so. As I was looking at some of the differences between the two. So in this case, it almost sounds like the competencies are almost customized. So once they're prepared, then what's next? Well, we try to take a look at each of the positions you're going to be hiring for. So if you're hiring for a processor, the behavioral competencies you want may be different than if you're hiring for a loan officer or for a closer. And our process tries to help organizations if they don't have them, add those competencies to the position description so they're clear. And then once we understand the competencies, we can determine which of the information that the Berkman provides fit those competencies, the ranges that would make sense, and then what questions to ask if the range is different. Let me give you a specific example. If you're going to hire somebody to be a processor, you probably want them to be fairly organized, detailed, and structured. But do you want them also only to work their own plan or they want you to be able to work somebody else's plan? There are two kinds of competencies, as I know you know, Alice. There are skills competencies and there are behavioral competencies. The behavioral competencies in an organization is how do people get along with each other? How do they interact? How do they manage stress? Where have they been successful in doing that in the past? The Berkman is a statistical instrument and some instruments are what we call self-reporting. And in self-reporting, you will always get people 
people saying positive things about themselves versus what actually mm. might be the truth through a behavioral assessment. That is probably the best description on distinguishing between like the DISC and some others and the Berkman. One is a statistical approach where you're using the questions. And I think the, the amount of questions you have, Berkman has 288 and I know the DIS has 20 some. Is that correct? Well, 20. there is a skills and a behavioral and a motivational. So by the time okay. you put all those together, I would have to look at what the total number of questions are, but we run what's called a try. So that's really good. That's really interesting. Again, folks, several people say, Dave, it sounds like you're really pushing us towards the Berkman. Well, I want you to look at it. I think it's good when we're looking at it. But the most important part is you're using a tool, period. Winning companies, top companies like Union Home uses a tool. It doesn't matter which one they use. The fact that they're doing that gives them a decided advantage. And that's why we're talking about it. Alan, you're on the line. Let's get you in on this discussion. Yeah. So it's great to have you guys on and speak with you again. I think from my point of view, and I've gone through the DISC profile, and I think I shared the story. I came out it one way and I was sat down by the consultant and they said, hey, this isn't who you are. And because I answered who I'd like to be, not who I am. I, I liked how the Berkman came out and we really had a fun conversation. By the way, the DISC profile said that I was super nice and friendly and I love people's opinions and, you know, I'm sedative in many ways. And obviously uh, it's very different because I'm stealing all your time talking right now as well. But how do you talk to tech people, right? I think that's a problem that our lenders have today. Tech people are a different kind of person and do mm. they foster a tech environment and let them be who they are? Or do you bring the liaisons in? How do you have tech and non-tech work together? My experience of tech and non-tech people, people are people. There are people that have preferences and that's what we talk about the environment. A technical environment is people that like machines and like working on machines and for example, people that work in companies and they like working on machines. Most of us are a balance. For example, I'm more of a people person than a technical person or whatever. But when people understand differences and they understand how they are and they understand how people are different, then in that understanding, organizations have a better opportunity to work together. Now, if you work for somebody for a year or six months or whatever, you kind of know what that person is. The only thing an assessment tool does, you will learn something in one hour or you'll take six months to do it. And what's mm -hmm. the damage if you hire somebody and they are ineffective in that you've lost a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of movement in a company, particularly if you're choosing to grow. And so you integrate those tech people by teaching about how people are alike and how people are different and to eliminate judgment so that people know that you need differences and that if you have differences, it's healthy. If you have too many similarities, you have incest and you have crazy thinking. So what you want is you want a technical society that can integrate into the other parts of your business. Great point. And I like that question, Alan. How do you talk to a tech person? Because when I started my software company 40 years ago, I did not know how to talk to them because programmers are another breed. Yeah. The other question I had for you is that a lot of time tech people feel like they work harder than non-tech people, right? They're up all late doing releases or testing or they always deal with the negative things, right? No one ever says, hey, the tech's working great. We love you guys, right? You don't hear that a lot. What are your thoughts around that? Well, technical people typically are people that have high energy. They prefer task over people, and they really want people to speak to them in bullet points. They get frustrated when people spend a lot of time talking and not a lot of time doing. And you want that. You want that kind of energy. You want that kind of a dedicated energy. And the tech people don't necessarily want 
a lot of praise. They don't like compliments, but they do like recognition of a job well done. That's different than getting praise. So knowing what they want is a way for someone working with them or managing them can give them what they want. But without an assessment tool that you have clearly identified what their environment needs are in order to be productive, you're just shooting in the dark. It's like rather than a rifle shot, it's more like a shotgun. You're going to run all these behaviors out, and if one sticks, then you think that's it. And it may or may not be. I agree with everything you said. The one thing you said that I think is the funniest and the best, most accurate is tech people speaking bullets. That that was great. If I'm going into a technical person's office and I have something I need from them, first off, I'm going to tell them these are the four things I want to talk about, and I'm going to be prepared to talk them out. I'm going to be prepared to answer questions about that, and I'm not going to be very social. How's your family? What's going on? All that kind of stuff. They find that's interference, and they don't like that. They want data, and they want to move on to do that. But most of us in cultures are friendly. We like to talk. We want to know the people. And when we do that with technical people, it merely frustrates them, and they feel more put upon because they had to stop and deal with that I was listening to the the ups and downs and your various forecasts and things. One of the things that's true is if you use this kind of information and asking the right questions and hiring people whose behavior will fit in the positions that you're hiring, but whose behavior will also fit within the organization. As the market goes up and down, you'll have the right people in the organization that are there enjoying one another, doing their jobs, enjoying what they're doing. This just provides information so leaders can support people when they get in stress as opposed to having the stress drive the company apart. I'm having one of these epiphanies when I struggled with getting along with the programmers 40 years ago. My natural personality is to be complimentary, encouraging, and I did not realize until just now that I was absolutely speaking language that made them more suspicious than achieving what I was doing. That's building a relationship. This is just so fascinating. We've already touched on some of the overall benefits of the process, but to wrap this up, when you look at the overall benefits of this process, anything else you want to add to what we haven't already talked about? I think the benefits are that you hire people that are more self-aware and people that are more self-aware are going to be more productive and less stressful for longer periods of time. When people are productive, you make money. When people are in stress, you lose money. And the benefits of this is it may take more time and some investment for an assessment tool that is not typical that you want to do, but it eliminates the guessing. It makes you really clear what's going to work and what's not going to work. And for those of us who are really all about building effective teams, you've got to look at an assessment if you're not using one. If you are using one, it would behoove you to at least have a free conversation with Jim and Jeannie Blanchard of strategic positioning to find out about the Berkman and how it might give you further insights. Do your homework. It doesn't cost you anything. Am I correct, Jim and Jeannie? Would you guys be willing to have a conversation with anyone who calls about this? We're not easy. You have to ask us. Perfect. I just love the two of you. The dynamic between the two of you and you being here today has just been so rich. I want to say thank you. There's a lot of real nuggets in this interview, folks. Go back and listen to it. Share it with other hiring managers in your organization and get a hold of Jim and Jeannie Blanchard. Now, we'll have their contact information in the show notes, but also what is the best way for people to reach you? It's Jay Blanchard at strategicpositioninginc.com, which is way too much. So just call 512-203-7422 or look on the website under Strategic Positioning Inc.
Perfect. We'll also put all that information in our show notes. Jim and Jeannie, thank you so much for being here. I love the two of you. Folks, we've had as our guests, Jim and Jeannie Blanchard, founders of Strategic Positioning, and you will enjoy getting to know them. Also, guys like Paul Best, Senior Vice President of People's United Bank, had us in. Jim and I, we went and did an assessment of their whole warehouse lending group. And it was so effective in teaching them how to talk with each other as well as their customers. Gave them some great insights. And I can tell you many other companies have done the same thing. So I encourage you folks, share this podcast with others in your company that are hiring, as well as, you know, get a hold of Jim and Jeannie yourself and talk to them. Next week, as we've said several times, we'll have Bill Cosgrove with us of Union Home Mortgage. Bill, someone I respect very much. And we're going to be talking about recruiting and building top teams. So good to have you with us this week. I want to say a special thank Thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility RE, Modex, MBA, so many companies out there. Check them all out on our sponsorship page. Great having you with us, listeners. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.